Good morning. I'm so uh, honored and excited to, uh, to share with you guys. We've been here uh, in Pasadena for, what, six years, right? Six, six years? Yeah. Uh, I remember Cam and I, when we first moved here, we were very confused because we had just gotten married. We uh, had no money. Still have no money, but uh, <laughs> we had no money. We uh, moved to uh, Pasad or we went to India for a, a month-long mission trip, and we got totally wrecked. We were hanging out with martyrs um, who had literally, you know, given their given their lives, or they had friends who who had been uh, martyred for the Lord. And we had just come back, and we were kind of in this like, okay, what's next? And uh, we ended up coming to Pasadena through a friend of ours. We got a job offer that we didn't ask for. So like, okay, I guess this is it. We're going to Pasadena. Um, but I remember we went to Rock. We went to the prophetic conference. And there was this prophet uh, that we had wanted to get ministry from. Uh, I don't remember who had, he had trained. But do you remember that, babe? And we were like walking out the door. And we like crossed paths with this prophet. Like after all the, you know, HR conference was done. And we asked him for a word uh, just like, hey, can you pray for us? And he, he was like literally on his way out the door. He's like, I'm sorry, I got to go. And he like kind of walked past us. And, he was, and then he stopped and he turned around and he said, God is giving you a home. Um, and he's rooting you somewhere. And so for us, we're like, oh, it must be HROC because <laughs> that's where we were at the time. And uh, it had been a process of a couple years. We had been at, at HROC and then we were, we were at um, Expression 58 for a while. And then we met Sue and Christian and uh, we just like melted together immediately. There was, uh, we, we were all on the, the same fire of the Holy Spirit and I feel like it, we just got like welded together, man. It was awesome. But um, yeah, I, I love all you guys so much. Like our, our inheritance, Cam and I have been talking so much about inheritance. It's amazing in, in Ephesians, um, it says in, I think at the, in verse, in, in chapter 3, it talks about uh, God having an inheritance in us. And uh, what, that's like crazy. You know what I mean? Like the God of the whole universe who has all things, there's probably like meteorites out there that are like literally made of gold and diamonds. You know what I mean? Like there, there's, he has all things. All of creation is in him. And he actually has an inheritance that he receives isn't that kind of crazy? Like, he owns everything. Like, for us, like, if we had an inheritance, like, something that was coming our way from, a, uh, you know, our great-grandpa, the inheritance was coming our way. You know, you got, I don't know how many millions of dollars in the bank. You know, when you turn 18, it's coming, it's coming to you. It's your inheritance. But to think that God has an inheritance, it's such a mind-blowing thought because he, he is in all things and has all things. But Ephesians says that his inheritance is us that we are the inheritance of God, and uh, our inheritance is God. That's just insane to me, you know, that like our inheritance itself is knowing him, and God's inheritance is not just, you know, being the caretaker of us as he is, you know, even if we have no revelation of who he is, he still takes care of us, and, and he's our caretaker, but his inheritance is not that, to take care of us. His inheritance is when we look back into his eyes. Does that make sense? You guys like, like the inheritance of God is not just like he's taking care of being a steward of us and making sure we're okay. His inheritance is actually when there's connection. 
and when we reciprocate the love that he gives to us. So that is just mind-blowing to me. So anyways, just to say that, like, I, I really feel like you guys are our inheritance. Ken might talk about, like, the wealth of friends that we have, and you guys are just, we really feel that way, like, from the bottom of our heart. You guys are our inheritance, and we love this church, and I'm so thankful to speak. Um, so thank you. Thank you for being yourselves, for being so beautiful. Um, so what, are, what am I talking about today? Let's see. I was so wrecked by worship, like, I'm like, man, I don't even, I don't even know how to even follow that. That was so good. Um, I think I, today I just wanted to, like, provide a table <laughs> for us to eat off the presence of God. Like, if there's one thing that I could do is just talk about how good Jesus is, and I have nothing to offer, but Jesus has all things to offer, and he is... He is a smorgasbord of goodness that we get to just eat off of. Like, he is the bread of life. He is the, the good wine. He's the higher wine. Um, and we get to eat and drink of him this morning. So if I could do one thing, I just, like, just want to talk about how good Jesus is and that we could just eat off of him together. Um, we're going to talk about walking today, walking out the Christian life. Um, how many of you grew up Christian, grew up in church? There was a huge emphasis, especially in like the 90s, about the walk. You can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? I remember that in children's church. And uh, like, can you walk the walk? You, you can walk the walk. And it, it was all about the walk, you know. Um, and it, growing up where I grew up, there was no, no revelation of Holy Spirit. There was no revelation of the gifts. There was no revelation of communion with God. You couldn't hear his voice. It was just kind of like a, a book, basically, a, an instruction manual that you had to try to live out basically the rules that were handed to you. We talked about grace and the new covenant, but it's basically just like the old covenant rules kind of repackaged into like, the, and they called it the new covenant, but it was just another set of rules that you had to live by. Um, so I, I just remember that whole journey of, I call it the, the, the pride and shame pendulum, and that's like basically the, the law and the way this world works, you know. You're doing good, and then you can kind of get into pride or self-righteousness, and then you fall, and then you get into shame. And there's no escaping that outside of Jesus, you know? You continue from one side to the other. You go, you're doing good, like, oh, I haven't, you know, whatever sin I'm dealing with, I haven't done that in a while, and then you're, you're kind of in this state of pride until you mess up, and then you go back to shame, like, oh, I can't believe I did that again. Am I regressing? What's wrong with me? And you kind of stay in that, you know what I mean? That's that's basically your lot in life if you live in the world. And whether, whether you're in religion or you're in, you know, in the world in business or whatever, it's pride and shame. And you're kind of going back and forth. And that's an awful way to live. Um, thank God for Jesus. It shows us another way and gives us a new way of life. Because um, one is the knowledge of good and evil and, and one is relationship, connection, and sonship. So when you're fixated on the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to live out... Uh, you're going to live out that reality. Um, so Jesus came to give us a new way to walk in, and that's to walk in his righteousness. And uh, I tried my best to listen to the sermon, so I hope I'm, I'm probably going to end up preaching exactly what you guys preached last week, so forgive me if I do that. Um, but it's, a good, it's good news, you know. We need to be reminded of every day. There's not a single time where I don't need the gospel. I feel like I need to listen to the gospel every day. It's hilarious. Yesterday... Just humble, I'll just be humble. Yesterday, I was, knew I had to prepare for this, 
And I kind of knew what I was going to say, but I hadn't actually like, got it together. And Cam and I decided to go out and get a bunk bed off of Craigslist yesterday. For, it was like an Ikea bunk bed. So it was already like disassembled, and I had to come in and put it back together. And I'm thinking the whole time as I'm building this, like, oh, man, i got to prepare for that. I'm going to talk about walking like God and walking in God. And literally, I'm getting frustrated where I can feel like I'm with my kids, but I can feel curse words, like, building up in my mouth, like, I can't say that. And I'm, like, sweating profusely trying to get this thing because we have no air conditioning in our house. And I'm, like, in my head, I'm, like, oh, man, i got to prepare for tomorrow. But then I'm, like, super frustrated trying to build this thing for my kids. And then uh, I finally finish it. I got, like, the sweat pouring down my my uh, my head, and I built the ladder on the wrong side. So when I flipped it over, and I was like so frustrated, and Lily was like, "Daddy, it's okay. We can just do it later." I'm like, "Oh my God, this is hilarious!" Like I'm I'm like frustrated because I'm about to I'm trying to prepare for a sermon to talk about the peace of God, and here I am like doing the exact opposite. Uh, but that saying that like we need the gospel always in our mind. We need to be reminded of it. We need his presence. We need his presence so bad. Like, that's one thing that Cam and I want to leave our kids is not like a set of rules to obey, but that we need God. You know, we desperately need his presence. We need the revelation that he is in us and we're in him. Um, yes, yeah, so walking out the Christian life, I could literally, I was sitting here figuring out what I was going to share from Ephesians 3 and 4. Just to remind you, like the, in the series, we're doing um, sit. You sit in Christ. It's from Watchman Nee, correct? Yeah. Yes. So we sit in Christ. After you learn to sit in him and sit with him, that's when you can walk. And I didn't understand that growing up being raised in religion. I, you try to walk in Christ before you even understand what it means to sit in him or commune with him. And that's a, a life of rules and grumpiness. Um, Religion will make you very, very grumpy. Uh, and I've, I'll find if I'm grumpy, the Lord always reminds me, Matt, like, you're only grumpy because you're not communing with me. Because when you commune with him, it's a happy life. It's so happy. And God is so free and he's so light and he's so easy. Because if, if it's not light, then it's not God, you know? Jesus said, my burden is light, my yoke is easy, the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. So if you're feeling this, like, heavy weight of all these expectations and things that are upon you, I promise you it's not God because he is so light and he's so easy. Um, if there's one person I think I could see that from clearly, most clearly, it's probably Jared Curtis. Because the dude is always on another, he's on a cloud that I want to I get on that cloud. But the man has a real revelation of, of God in him and the joy of God. And he understands that God is not disappointed with people. And that will make you real happy. That'll make you, like, really happy. When you understand that the God of the universe is for you, he's on your side. Like, that will, it'll bring automatic great joy. My favorite uh, teacher, Dan Muller, always says, like, you know, the, the angels came to the, um, the, the shepherds in the field and said, Behold, we bring you good tidings of great joy. And he, said, he always says, if you're not ecstatic and excited about life, it's because you're not discerning the good tidings. So if you, if you understand the good tidings that are being brought to you, it's automatic great joy. And I, I shared this last time, like if somebody handed you like a million dollars or the winning lottery ticket, I don't care if you were the most in the worst day of your life, you'd probably be dancing around the room within five minutes because you understand the value of what's been handed to you. 
and the gospel, the only reason we're not excited about the gospel in the church and we kind of feel like we got to live out the Christian life and do our duty and pray and all that stuff is because we don't really understand and discern what's been handed to us. Does that make sense, guys? Like, we, when we discern what's been handed to us, it brings automatic great joy. So I'm just going to recap a little bit in Ephesians. Um, the gospel is so juicy good. It's, it's a new life that's been handed to you and a righteousness that's been given to you. When Jesus gave you his blood and when you take his communion, you've been, I hate to use the word infected, but it's really like the best way to communicate it. You, you drink of him and you actually receive his blood. His righteousness, his pure, um, uncorrupted blood is now a part of you. And you drink of him and eat of him and he, you become what you eat. So when we have partaken and tasted of Jesus Christ, we now have become his righteousness. So the holiness of God and the righteousness of God has been given to you when you said yes to him as a completely free gift. Um, you know, Ephesians talks about being raised and seated. So no longer is there any seat that you could be wanting that could be higher than what you've already been given. Um, you know, if you're in a career path, <laughs> there's, there's no position of CEO or amount of money or any status or authority or anything like that on this, on this earth that could compare to what you've already been given in Christ Jesus. Like, the throne of God is like the, we talk about that, the pearls, the, the pearls of thunder, the, the rolling lightning, the, the, glass, uh, the, the glass floor that leads to the throne of God that's described in Revelation. That throne, the throne of all authority, is where Jesus is seated. And Paul says it like a million times that you are in Christ and seated with him on his throne. There's not like a little bride throne in the corner of heaven <laughs> that you're, you're seated on. Like you're seated in Christ in the heavenly realms. And that's like super good news. Is anyone alive in here? Is that, that's like really good news. Come on. Like we have been given the righteousness of Christ. His body has now been crucified and it says it in Romans we've been crucified with him and we've been raised with him and we ascended with him into the heavenly realm so the revelation of walking out the Christian life has everything to do with the with the sitting part which you guys I know you guys talked about that last week but I just love it I can't help myself we've been raised and seated in him so now walking out the Christian life has everything to do with what we see and what we believe um, so I'm going to read to you Ephesians, just a little bit of, of Ephesians 3. Um, and we'll start, those of you that want to read with me. I'm reading out of the, uh, the Passion Translation. Sorry if it's not uh, the NASB or one of those more study Bibles. I just, I've read, I've practically memorized Ephesians in uh, the NIV. But it's like, I feel like I'm reading it again for the first time in the Passion. So bear with me here. Uh, we'll start in verse 7. I have been made a messenger of this wonderful news by the gift of grace that works through me. Even though I'm the least significant of all of his holy believers, this, great, this grace gift was imparted when the manifestation of God's power came upon me. Grace alone empowers me that I can boldly preach this wonderful message to non-Jewish people. 
sharing with them the unfading, inexhaustible riches of Christ, which are beyond comprehension. My passion is to enlighten every person to this divine mystery. It was hidden in the ages until now, which has been kept a secret for all time. The purpose of this was to unveil before every throne and rank of angelic orders in the heavenly realms God's full and diverse wisdom revealed through, through the church. And then I'm going uh, to skip down to verse 20. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and your, exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power will constantly energize, his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church and every generation through Jesus Christ, and all that will yet be manifest through time and eternity. And then right here in, in verse four, as a prisoner of the Lord, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank, given to you in your divine calling. And then he gets into the do aspect. So this is like the, the walking out. With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards one another, especially those who may try your patience. Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace, being one body and one spirit as you are called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. For the Lord God is one and so are we, for we share in one faith, one baptism, and one Father. And he is the perfect father who leads us all, works through us all, and lives in us all. So we're one, you know. Everybody here in this room, there's a, there's a, uh, a divine mystery that we are one in Christ and that we are one with the Father. So the Holy Trinity has now, the revelation of God's triune likeness of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has now been extended to us and we are now in his family. So we're, we have been invited into this triune dance, this triune um, family. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole revelation of what family is. It, was, it already existed before there was flesh and bone. You know, it already existed in, in the invisible heavenly realm. It has now been extended so we get to experience it here on earth. But we are one with him. And um, the, the, I feel like... The, the thing that really gets Cam and I going is, is the miraculous power of God, of walking out the Christian life, not, you know, without power. Do you understand? Like, if all throughout the Bible, every great man of God was filled with power. And that is, that is what we have been called to walk in when, when we follow Jesus is power. You know, he gave us the great commission where he said, heal the sick raise the dead, cleanse the leper, and, and cast out devils. And to walk out this Christian life, I, I see like the, the destiny of the church is to fulfill that great commission. I want to communicate this in, in a light way that's not putting, you know, a, another law or another requirement on us. God, help me. 
Yeah, he, he is so good. Like, he wants to exceed our, our wildest dream and, and exceed our wildest imagination of what's possible in Jesus Christ. Jesus prophesied this crazy thing. He said that you will do greater works than I have done. That's what he said about us, and he's not a liar. He cannot lie. He prophesied that about you and about me, that we would do greater works than Jesus did. And what I, what I really wanted to hit home today is that you don't get there through any other avenue except connection and grace and relationship. And the more pressure you put on yourself to try to become something in God, the less power you'll actually walk in. You only walk in that power through connection and through the revelation that you're already in him and that he's already in you. So for the, for the church and my, my dream for the church, and I really feel like it's God's dream for this, for this body and for the body at large, is that everywhere we go, heaven would come and it would invade earth. Like everywhere we go, like people should be talking about Frontier Church. Like, dude, when you walk through those doors, you just get blasted in God, you know? Like everywhere we go, you know, everywhere Jesus went, the, the sick were healed. Whole towns pressed up against him that they wanted a touch from him. And I don't know if you guys ever sit there and, like, meditate and actually think about, like, what that looks like. But, like, literally, it says a couple of times in, like, Matthew and Luke that the whole city, like, came up against him. And they, they pressed up against him and he healed them all. All who came to him were healed. I've never seen a movie that actually, like, demonstrates, like, what that would look like. But what did that look like to actually heal, like, a whole city? Imagine, like, a whole group if there was, like, 1,500, 2,000 people up here coming up against me and all of them were healed i don't know if it was by a word did he go up and touch each one of them but it says that all of them were healed by jesus and jesus has has given us the same divine calling in the in the mission and he's invited us into his work that everywhere we go people would be touched and people would be healed like cam and i in our journey we've seen a lot of miracles Man, I've seen broken bones healed, like, literally, like, right before my eyes. I remember this kid. Uh, it, was, it was a kid when I was working with, with homeless youth, and this kid had gotten a fight and broke his arm on some guy's face. <laughs> um, and uh, he had it wrapped up because he couldn't afford any kind of medical anything. And uh, he couldn't even move it. He had it, he had it wrapped up with, like, a stick in there. It was, it was awful. Um, and so he was an atheist, he's a, like a satanic worshiper, and he'd tell me how he thought it was crazy, and I'm like, all right, well, dude, if I'm crazy, like, let me pray for you. And uh, we, had, we had kind of like a joking relationship, and so I said, if nothing happens, what do, you, what do you have to lose? Just let me pray for it. So I, I remember we were sitting in my car, and I was dropping him off at wherever he was staying, and I grabbed his hand, and I said, you're going to be healed right now. And it was like one of those things where I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. It was really nerve-wracking, you know. That's a very vulnerable thing to say, especially, like, you look like a total idiot if it doesn't actually happen. So, yeah, I grabbed his arm. I said, you're going to be healed. And all of a sudden, he starts, like, freaking out because he's like, dude, my hand feels super hot. 
and uh, he takes the bandage off, and he like completely, like completely healed. He could like do push-ups. It was just completely healed, right on the spot. But I guarantee you, you know, I, we didn't pray the prayer after that. He was still a Satanist, but you know, uh, God was was is working on him. You know what I mean? Next time he like, you can't just walk away from that and not not think about like, oh my God, like literally God just completely healed my hand. And when, when I started seeing the miraculous, everything I thought I knew had been totally changed. I mean, Cam, we've seen, I don't know how, like we've seen so many miracles, prophetic words, seen scoliosis healed, cancer healed. I've seen a blind eye partially open. It wasn't fully open. Um, but man, like the power of God is what the church needs. You know, in this day and age, like, the world is getting darker and darker, and, and the, in my mind, the only solution is to demonstrate the power of God. Like, it's what we need more than anything else. We need to demonstrate the authority of Jesus. There was no arguing. Jesus didn't argue with anybody. When the Pharisees tried to come up and test him, he would say a few words, and then he would just, like, do a miracle, and they just sat there like they had nothing to say. You know, like the power of God is the ultimate end to every argument. And I just love that about Jesus. Like, wherever he went, he destroyed the works of the devil. And that's, that's our, that is what we get to join him in. But the revelation of walking out in that kind of power and what I see for the church is that, you know, like, I think we can clear out hospitals, you guys. Like, I know that sounds crazy. That sounds way out there. But, like, I, I want to believe that we will get to a place where we can clear out hospitals, where people who are in wheelchairs, we can pull them out of a wheelchair and then just keep going about our day. You know, we're just, like, sitting at Chick-fil-A and some, somebody walks in with a cane and, you know, they get completely healed and then we just keep eating our Chick-fil-A like it's no big deal, you know. And uh, that's where I see this body going and that's where I see, you know, the body at large going. I really, really believe that, that that is what God is calling us into because it's all in the word. But what I really wanted to hit home today is that the one thing we're missing is not more, more doing. We need revelation. We need revelation and we need confidence that we have been equipped. You've already been equipped to do it. Like his fullness is already inside of you. His righteousness has already been passed to you. So the, the difference between the, what Jesus walked in and where I am now, the only difference in that, and I'm not talking about the person of, of Jesus, and, and um, I'm talking about like the fruit of his action. So the, the results of Jesus and the way that Jesus walked out and where I'm at, the only difference between us was faith. <laughs> the only difference between us was a confidence that the Heavenly Father was doing things through him because Jesus said, I do nothing of myself. There's not a single thing that Jesus did in his flesh. He said, everything I do comes from my Father. I only do what I see my Father doing. And if we can take that same attitude and that same position, we realize that there's nothing that we can't do because we're in God. And he is our daddy. And daddy is with us. And daddy is in us. But it's the confidence. We need the confidence to really, really believe that that's actually true. We need the confidence to believe. It says that all of his power has been given to you already right now. It happened 2,000 years ago, but everything that Jesus had, he passed to you, and it's already inside of you right now. It just needs to be activated through agreement. That's all it is. 
It's not, it's not when you're at this certain place of like holiness and, you know, once I pray 10,000 hours and, you know, once I memorize the Bible and all these things that we can tack onto it, like walking out the Christian life is just by faith alone. There's no ingredient. There's no method. It's just living in this place of revelation that God is in me and I am in him and he's already paid the price. He's already finished the work. He's already done the healing and now I get to step into what he's already completed. I've already been raised. I've already been seated in him. And I'm already one with Jesus. So wherever I go, we get to demonstrate and exercise the authority that's not of my own. You know, it's not my authority. It's not your authority. It's his authority. So the more we, we focus and meditate on the will of God to bring heaven to earth, it's, it's so natural. You know, I want to talk about Paul's, um, Paul's secret of, of not being disqualified um, when, when we are going out, you know, throughout the day, and, and Cam and I can really attest to this, having kids um, and just kind of getting distracted by life, you know, if, if I have like a rough moment or if I feel stressed at work, I'm no longer thinking about the people around me, uh, especially like, like if I'm going to the grocery store, we got the kids whining and I'm feeling stressed because I know I got to get home, I got this deadline I got to do. I'm no longer thinking about the, the cashier, you know. I'm thinking about, man, I got to get out of here. And a lot of the time, especially if I've done something wrong, I'll disqualify myself from actually praying for them. I don't know if anybody can attest to that feeling, but like where we just disqualify ourselves um, from doing the works of God and actually stepping into what he's called us to do because we're self-conscious. And we're thinking about all these things like that I've done or these things where I've missed the mark. And... Um, God has qualified us already. And that's like, I, I just really want to hit that home. Like, you've already been qualified. And th there's no sin or anything that could get in the way because your sin has already been paid for. You know what I mean? You, you've already been taken care of. You're already clean and washed by, by the word. So us stepping into demonstrating God's authority has nothing to do with our sin. It has everything to do with our agreement of what he sees in us and what he's already done. Um, so in this, I, this may be a, kind of a bold statement, but sin does separate us from God, but it doesn't separate God from us. Because no matter what we do, God is always for us and always pursuing us and always, always, um, he has plans for our life. No matter what we do, that never changes. So sin will separate your consciousness from God where you, you know, like Adam and Eve, put on your, your fig leaves and go and hide. But God isn't like, oh, you're in sin and withdrawing himself away from you. So sin does not disqualify you from walking out the Christian life. Does that make sense? Like, you're not disqualified because of God's withdrawal you disqualify yourself because you're now sin conscious instead of righteousness conscious. Because, you know, when we sit with him, we realize that his perfect love, it casts out all fear. So there's nothing to be afraid of. We don't need to hide in our fig leaves. We need to hide in our shame. We can continue to walk out the Christian life with a boldness and a confidence. And that's the one thing that God has told me over the years that the, the church is missing is a confidence 
that he's already done it. And there's a confidence that we're already worthy. And there's a confidence that you can already heal the sick. And you need to have confidence that you can already raise the dead. There's a confidence that you need to just believe that it's already yours, that he's already for you, that no matter what thing feels impossible for you to do, all of us have a dream in God. The only thing missing is the confidence to go about it and go and do it. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he in this world. So if there's this sin consciousness and this heavy weight that you're putting upon yourself where you're defining yourself by your mistakes and um, all your shortcomings, you tend to manifest whatever you're thinking about. So if you're constantly meditating on your failures and your shortcomings, you tend to walk out whatever you're thinking about. When we turn our our gaze off of our problems, off of our circumstances, off of our sin, off of our whatever we've defined ourselves in and put them on Jesus, we begin to redefine ourselves and really establish our identity in him to where you feel confident to actually go and do the work of God because you know it was never about your good behavior anyway. You know what I mean? Like it was never about our good behavior. It was always about his good behavior imparted to us. It was never about our holiness. It was about his holiness given to us as a free gift. The righteousness of God has been given to us as a free gift. And in that, there's tremendous power. There's tremendous power to be able to exercise the will of God and destroy the works of the devil. It's truth that will set you free, not sin management. Sin management will not set you free. It'll make you really grumpy because you can't manage your sin. Truth sets you free when you understand that he sees you as, as holy and blameless in his sight. You begin to walk it out. I remember the, when this thing really started to come on me in about 2012, I can remember feeling it hit my body almost, this sounds a little weird, but it, like I took a shot of alcohol, you know, like a big shot, you know, like I could literally feel his righteousness in my body where I felt joy and I felt this peace, and I, I literally would feel this confidence come over me where I would go into a situation, and I'm like, I know God's going to heal this person. And I would walk up to him, and I'm, like, scared as I'm saying it, but God's going to heal you. And, like, I remember seeing this kid completely healed of scoliosis, and I just knew it was going to happen. And it was one of those things, like, I don't have that confidence in me. I grew up as a very shy, uh, shut-down, broken kid. But like when this Godfidence like came over me, this God confidence, I can remember like going up to him and just be like, you are going to be healed. And it was this like this understanding that the righteousness of God is for me and you, I can bask in it. You know what I mean? Like all of us can go and bask in his righteousness. We can go directly to the throne room of God and know that his favor is towards us. We can go directly into his presence and we receive everything we need from him. When I remember, Cam, remember when Lily... Uh, we, were having, we were having issues with Lily, uh, just learning how to discipline her in a way that, like, we weren't coming down on her too hard. And I remember we were really distraught, and we were praying about it. And we were like, God, how do we do this? And the Lord spoke to us the exact same thing. And he said to get in her corner. Like a coach, you get in her corner. And when we understand that, like, Holy Spirit is like a coach, and he's in our corner. He, like, he is there coaching you throughout life. When there's all this stuff coming against you, he's not correcting you. He's trying to teach you, you know. He's trying to, like, duck here, move there, back up. Okay, let's call a timeout. He's there. He's trying to help you succeed. You know, he's a good dad, and he's a good coach. So Holy Spirit is, is, is 
fixated on your success in him. And he's fixated on you overcoming whatever is coming against you. But he is a good, good coach, and he's a good daddy. So whenever you're going through life and you trip up, you know, he is not there pointing out what you've done, but he's there coaching you on how to do better. And he's there coaching you on how to think differently. You know, if, if I were to walk in, and step on a nail, you know, I would never drag with that nail around in me for, you know, six days and just complain about the nail. Probably pull that thing out. You know what I mean? Like, if you step in and you're walking throughout life and you end up stumbling or you fall into, like, an old pattern, you just pull that nail out and you just keep on walking. You keep on walking in God. And that's, like, that's what I feel like Holy Spirit is constantly doing in us is coaching us and teaching us how to get back up and keep walking and not get discouraged and not get self-conscious. Self, I, I wrote here, self-disqualification is the sin of unbelief in God's goodness to work in spite of our human weakness. You know, we all have issues and we all have sins um, and things that we're working through, but the, the sin that, that Jesus um, talked about more than any other thing was the sin of unbelief. And when we begin to believe and understand um, what he sees in us and what he's done, the, the sin of unbelief begins to be destroyed by his goodness and by his love. Cam, can I pull on you to talk about uh, the tree thing? Cam's amazing. She's, a, she's, she's my, uh, the greater one in, in our relationship. And um, the greater one in our relationship. Um, but, yeah, the tree. So I want to talk about just like the mindset of, of a believer. And remember you were talking yesterday about a tree. So uh, yeah. share, share what you were saying yesterday. The I thought that mindset was so of a believer, yeah. Um, yeah, we were just actually uh, one of our favorite teachers, he mentioned him, Dan Muller, was the first person we heard talk about this. And it really impacted me because I realized, oh, my gosh, I've been believing that lie and believing it to be like a religious truth my whole life. And he was talking about how in the church we're so focused on our fruit, and fruit is a really good thing. It's a good thing to desire to have godly fruit. Um, but he was like, we miss the whole point when we focus on the fruit, when we're not producing the fruit, we're thinking about how we're not producing the fruit, and we begin to question who we are. Because, you know, an apple tree produces apples. A peach tree produces peaches. You know, So if all of a sudden you feel like you've been called to produce peaches and you're not producing peaches you're questioning yourself. You're fruit conscious. And now all of a sudden you don't know who you are. And um, he gives this whole teaching on how all the, the, the messages of Jesus are about teaching people who they are and what they're rooted in, not about the fruit, but about the tree. The, the, the teachings are on the tree, not the fruit. And that if you're an apple tree, an apple tree is going to produce apples. And maybe there's a, he's like, apple trees aren't freaking out about not producing apples. And I've been really meditating on that since we heard it a few years ago. And it's really helped me through seasons where maybe I feel like, where are the apples? <laughs> like, oh my God, we have all these words. Or like, I believe these truths and I'm having a hard day or I had a hard week. Or where are the apples? And all of a sudden I could be like, am I even an apple tree? And God's like, no, like an apple tree will produce apples. It's about what the apple tree is rooted in. It's about the apple tree being watered. It's about the apple tree getting the sun. And, 
It's about the apple tree knowing who the apple tree is. And I believe that is so much the message of how to walk out the Christian life, where we know who we are. The tree that we are is a son of God. And the fruit that comes from a tree that's a son of God is the fruit of the family of God, the fruit of Jesus, the life of Jesus. And if we believe who we are as a son, if we believe who we are as a daughter, the fruit will come. And we can't let the worries of the world, we can't let struggle, trial, tribulation, the devil, whatever. We can't let these things make us question who we are as a tree. Because that is what will keep us from producing fruit, is when we uproot ourselves. You know, we have to, as a tree, know who we are and root into God and say, no, this is who I am as a tree. And it's really helped me having that perspective, you know, if we're having a hard day or not. It's just like, no, like, I'm a daughter of God. And I might be in a hard day or a hard season, but, like, God's light is on me. His water is on me. He is for me, and I'm rooted in him. And I will produce the fruit of the family of heaven. And so that's. So good, babe. I love you. You're so good. Um, Yeah, the fruit of faith, the the faith of a mustard seed, when Jesus talked about that, it wasn't necessarily about the size, because I think that a lot of the Bible emphasizes the the size, and I don't know if it was the translator's um, agenda, but he talked about that faith as small as a mustard seed can produce faith that can move a mountain. But when you understand, I studied a mustard seed and what that meant in that culture, a mustard seed was so small, but it would grow violently and it could crack rock when it was planted. So it was a, it was a common plant, but it would take over an area. So when the, when the word of God, the seed of God has been planted inside of you, it will do its thing. It will crack foundation, it will crack rock, it'll crack a stony heart. And it will come and destroy everything that was there previously to reestablish dominance. So the, the faith of God, the faith of the seed is already inside of you. And the, the part of sitting with Christ and walking with Christ, they really are one and the same. It's already inside of you. So a lot of the time when we're trying to make fruit produce, like through our efforts, it actually ends up nullifying the work that's already being done by God in the secret place. So this position of our heart of just thanking God and communing with God, thanking him that the seed is in me, thanking him that his power is already in me. You know, when my prayer life began to change, that's really when I started to see so many more like miracles and and everything about my mindset began to change when I already started to see that the seed was working. The seed is already working inside you. Turn to your neighbor and say, the seed is working. It's growing inside of you already. So in that, like, we don't, there's no fruit that we need to produce in our, in our own strength because you can't do it. But when we understand that it's already in you and it's already doing its thing and it's already working, it will translate to miraculous power. It will translate to walking out the Christian life um, in a way that is actually one with heaven. I don't really have too much more. Um, I think, you know, the more we meditate on who he is and the more we see what he's called us into, you know, keeping our minds fixated on Jesus, it really becomes a part of who we are when we truly see what he sees about us. 
And I think that's, that's like one of the things that Paul really took ownership of and really began to walk in it was really seeing himself according to what God sees and not really focusing on his past because the dude was like, he had a lot of religion that he had stored up in his mindset that he had to kind of detoxify from. But he had it really fixated in his mind that he only, only saw what God saw in him and he only saw what God saw in other people. So the more that he saw that, the better he was able to walk out his Christian life. 